have a Bible today, let's open up to Acts chapter 13. And when you go to Israel, it's interesting the way that it would work. And I, don't, I probably shared this with you already, but forgive me if, I, if I'm sounding repetitive. But, you know, you go there and you visualize things and it just, man, it, it kind of brings it into perspective. So you can even go today and you would see the temple. And outside the temple, uh, uh, actually right now it's just the retaining wall. If you go to Israel today, you would see that they have excavated 50 ritual baths. And what that meant is that every time they would go to church or every time they would go to the temple, they kind of had the mentality that they had to kind of get their hearts right, that they had to kind of like, you know, let go of the sin and have God cleanse them so that God would speak to them. Not only that, when you go there, you would still see the southern steps and you would notice that the steps are different. Some are longer, some are deeper. You know, and it kind of throws you off. Nowadays, when you go on steps, they're all symmetrical, right? So you don't even have to think about it. But they did it volitionally because they wanted you to kind of approach the temple in, in a way that it's not casual. That we're going and we kind of need to watch our, our step. We, we're going to, to something special. You know, and so you would go uh, uh, to the temple, you know, wanting to be clean, wanting to be, you know, careful, so that God would speak to you. And that God would just meddle with the middle. God would handle the heart. And then when you go in one entrance, it's interesting because you go up one side and then you come out a different uh, way. So it'd be like you guys coming, I almost want to tell you to do this, but I would never have, coming in those doors and leaving those doors. And you're like, well, what's the big deal? It just has like a, 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 a message that says, I'm leaving different. I'm leaving different than when I came. Some of you guys here today, you don't know the Lord. If you were to die today, you'd go to hell because you haven't really given your life to Christ. And it doesn't make any sense why you haven't because salvation is a gift. All you have to do is receive it to yourself. Jesus died on the cross. He shed his blood. He rose again to prove to you who he was and to pay your punishment, to wash away your sins. You need Jesus. You can't stand before God on your own goodness. You're not good enough. And that's why Jesus came. All you have to do is believe. To say, okay, you know what? I'm going to follow the Lord from now on. I'm going to be a Christian. I'm not perfect. None of us are. But I need you, Lord. You know, and so maybe that's you today. You come one way. You leave different. You come with all your sins. And you leave without them. You leave forgiven. You know, what I've what I found in life is that if you want to you wanna make a difference, then you're going to have to be different. You know, some of you guys here, I mean, it's hard. Life has been hard. How many of you here, you're struggling right now? You're like, man, you know what? I'm, I'm kind of going through this thing and none of you guys are struggling. You guys are bad. Man. You're all liars, man. <laughs> You know, we're struggling. That's okay. This is a, a hospital for sinners, right? 
And some of us, man, you're like, Manny, I'm just trying to make it. That's cool. You know what? And, and then our job is kind of like Noah's Ark. We just want to keep you afloat, man. And there's a storm. There's a judgment going on. And our prayer is that in this ark, God would take you home, you know, and spare you of that judgment. But then there's a, a lot of you here that, you know, in one sense, you're not like struggling that much. But you've come to this place in your life where you want to make a difference. You want to make a difference, man. You want to leave this world a better place than, than when you entered it. You want to make a difference for good. You want to make a difference in, in your family, your spouse, your kids, and your friends, extended family, even, who knows, the whole wide world. You would love for the world to know Jesus because you are, are involved in their life and you follow the Lord Jesus Christ. What we're going to see today is that in order to make a difference, which is what we want, we're going to have to be different. We can't just be the nominal Christian anymore. You can't just be the casual Christian or you'll be, a, you'll be a casualty. You can't be a carnal Christian and expect to make a difference. We have to be different. We have to be in love with the Lord. We have to be in the Word. We have to be on our knees. We have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And as He begins to work in us, only because we let Him, it's nothing that we do, it's we, something that He does, we let Him move in our lives, then we're going to be different, and then that will make a difference for good. Any of you guys here want to make a difference? I know I'm not the only one. I know that's the passion of so many hearts. So notice what we read here in Acts chapter 13. We're going to see a, a church that's different. We're going to see a, a man that's different. And they're used by God to, to make a, another man's destiny different. Look what we read in Acts 13. It says in verse 1, Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And so what we're going to see in the beginning is that this is a church that's, that's different. You know, it's a healthy variety of people, which I think is, is kind of cool. you got Barnabas, who was a Jewish priest. You have Simeon, who had this beautiful dark skin. You have Lucius, who was from Cyrene, which was, man, a thousand miles south, the capital of the North African Roman province of Cyrenaica, which would be modern-day Libya. This guy's from way over there. You've got this guy named Menean. Now, he is a man who, it says, was brought up at the feet, uh, brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and that was also known as Herod Antipas. For those of you guys who went to Israel with us, we talked a lot about Herod the Great. Right? Herod the Great is the one that built the temple and Caesarea and all these amazing places. We went to Caesarea. I mean, it's just amazing. That guy was Herod the Great. This is his son. And this is the friend of his son who is there in the church at Antioch. I mean, this guy is there. You have Barnabas. You have Simeon. You have Lucius. You have Menean. And then last on the list there in the church of Barnabas is a man named Saul. 
And it's interesting, we're going to see it just in a, in a few verses, man, that this guy right here, he ends up, now he's at the, at the last, he is now going to be exalted and catapulted to the, to the beginning of the list. God is going to raise him up as a servant leader, who at one time, now he's last on the list, now he's going to be first on the list, when God will use him to change the world. Not that he's looking for a position, but he gives God his heart. And we're going to see that. An amazing church, and I love the diversity of it, and I pray that one day you guys, our church, would even grow in diversity, you know? Don't you guys love all the different skin colors? Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. I mean, I praise God for the Chicano power and everything, you know? But man, I, man, don't you guys want all the different nationalities here? All the different, you know, uh, social groups. The, it doesn't matter, rich or poor, that side of town, this side of town. That's my prayer one day for the church. There's a diversity here in this church. It's different. They are diverse and they're well-versed. They know the Bible, man. And I was talking to my wife about this the other day. And, you know, for those of you guys who have been walking with the Lord... You know, for not that many years, let me tell you something. The church is different today than it used to be. The church used to know their Bibles. They used to know their Bibles well. You know, you go back 20 years ago, and man, for whatever reason, people were reading the Word and they knew, you know, from Genesis to Revelation. But now it's hard to get people to, even in, you know, Calvary chapels, to be reading their Word. You know, but this church in Antioch of Syria, they're different. They have prophets, they have teachers, they have all these different guys. I'll bet you there are Bible studies going on every night of the week. And as they're there and these things are happening, God does something good. Notice what we read next in Acts 13. It says in verse 2, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. God is about to do something epic, something huge, something that our world needs today. You look at the world today and they're not serving the Lord. You look at the things that are going on today and man, people are drifting away from God, generally speaking. I mean, summer, they're at the beach. Winter, they're at the mall. They're at the movies. A lot of them, they're not going to church. What we need today, man, is a radical revolution. We need a, a great awakening. We need a revival in the church. And so Acts chapter 13, it kind of gives you what to do. How do you start a revival? It's, it's interesting the way that this all started is, is as they ministered to the Lord. They weren't necessarily seeking guidance, they were seeking God. The word ministered, it means worship. They, they were just worshiping God. They were just serving God. They were seeking God so passionately that they were fasting in order that they might find God. You know, and, I, and I'm telling you guys this, no matter where you're at, no matter if you're here today and you've got problems that you need God to answer or you have challenges in which you want to go farther, either one, the, the same thing 
is what we're called to do, and that is to seek God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And that's why I'm blessed to see you here at church. Now, some of you guys are here because you're bribed, you know. It's Mother's Day, and so, you know, you got to go to church, and you kind of crack the whip a little bit, you know. How are you going to find God if you don't even want to go to church? How are you going to find God if you don't even want to read your Bible? How are you going to find God if you don't want to get on your knees and, and pray to Him? Listen, God loves you. And as you seek Him with all your heart, you're going to find Him. He's going to bless your life. And then what ends up happening is God is going to blow these doors open. You know, as they were there ministering to the Lord, not even really seeking guidance, just seeking the Lord, the Holy Spirit spoke specifically and said to the church, separate to me Barnabas and Saul uh, for the work to which I've called them to do. And so I don't think it was an audible voice. I don't think it was God speaking through the loudspeakers, separate to me, no. I think it was God speaking through someone. That's why it mentions the fact that in that church there were teachers and prophets. Now, a prophet is someone who foretells or foretells God's word. When you read the scriptures, for example, in 1 Corinthians 12.8, it mentions the word of wisdom, gifts of the Holy Spirit, or the word of knowledge through the same spirit. You know, God, did you, and I know you guys are going to trip out on me, but did you know that God might guide our church through you? And I believe that with all my heart. I believe that if you're here and you're seeking the Lord and all of a sudden, man, He lays something heavy on your heart and it's a word of knowledge or it's a word of wisdom, you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, man, it might be a word spoken through you that changes this church, that changes the whole wide world. We just have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Somewhere in that church of Antioch of Syria, someone spoke up and they said, I have a word from God. God says to me, separate Barnabas and Saul for the work that I've called them to do. And as they heard that word, they didn't know what that would lead to, but they followed him one step at a time. You know, they, and then, cool, that Barnabas and Saul said yes to the Lord and man, they changed the world. There's a real important passage over in 1 Thessalonians 5, 19-21, and where the Bible says, do not quench the Spirit. And so if you can visualize the Holy Spirit like a fire, if you doubt, it's like putting water on the fire. You put out the fire. You're like, God can't do that. God can't speak through me. That's quenching the Spirit. But it also says right here, do not despise prophecies. And that means think little of. And that means when you, you know, oh, God can't speak through someone nowadays and you think it's impossible. No, God can speak through people sometimes. You just have to, like it says next, test all things, hold fast to what is good. And what that means is if someone prophesies over your life or gives you a word of knowledge or wisdom, don't despise or doubt it or think little of it, but do test it. You know, someone can come up to you and say, hey, the Lord has given me a word for you. Now, when they do that, you have to test it. Does it line up with the word of God? Does it line up with the will of God for your life? 
You know, let's just say some guy walks up to one of you single sisters and says, listen, the Lord showed me that you're supposed to be my wife. You got to test it, right? And you got to tell him, listen, God would tell me too if he told you because he has my address. And if it's not the Lord, then you can kick him. We give you permission to kick him in the shins and tell us, okay? Say, hey, that guy's a wolf. <laughs> But, but all I'm saying is that God can speak and there is a word of knowledge and the word of wisdom. I can't tell you how many times in my life where it has been so crystal clear that God has spoken words of knowledge and words of wisdom to my life. Totally knowing it was the Lord. So He can still do this, right? And so back in Antioch, all this was of the Lord, man. It was the Holy Spirit and Barnabas and Saul were more than willing. It was God's perfect timing, so they fasted and prayed again. And then the church laid hands on them. And the laying hands on them was kind of a commissioning, saying to them, hey, you know, as a church, you have our support. Not only that, laying hands on them in the book of Acts was saying, and we pray that you would have the power of the Holy Spirit. Because as you go out and into the mission field, it is a battlefield. But, we're praying for you that the Lord would anoint you. And so the church was with these two guys, these three guys, and, 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 they're, and they're for them. But the interesting thing is they weren't really simply sent out by the church. Notice what we read next in verse 4. It says, So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia. Let me tell you something, man. You can have the whole church lay hands on you and pray for you, but if it's not the Holy Spirit, it ain't going to happen. And what we're learning in, in the book of Acts is the importance of the Holy Spirit in our life. Are you under the influence of the Holy Spirit? You know, before you were a Christian, a lot of you here, you were under the influence of drugs or alcohol. And when you did the drugs or when you did the alcohol, it made you into a different person. Well, when you're under the influence of the Holy Spirit and you're sensitive to Him and you're listening to His voice, then He makes you different. And these guys, as God is working now, and, and, and you're wondering, well, why doesn't God do it now? I believe with all my heart that God wants to do it now. But the question is, are we open? Are we willing? Are we one of those that says, Here am I, God, send me. Here am I, God, use me. That's Barnabas and Saul. That's the church in Antioch. They were different. And so, you know, as this whole thing is going on, it's the work of God. They're being sent out by the Holy Spirit. And notice again in, in verse 4, they, they went down to Seleucia and from there they sailed to Cyprus and when they arrived in Salamis, notice what they did. They went sightseeing. No, I'm just joking. They preached the word. <laughs> they preached the word of God in the synagogue of the Jews. They also had John as their assistant. Now later on, John is going to abandon them. He goes home. And so some will say he probably should have never gone because the Holy Spirit didn't say, separate to me Barnabas, Saul, and John. The Holy Spirit said, separate to me 
Barnabas and Saul. But it's okay. God's going to work in John Mark anyways. But here we have a map. And this is kind of, a lot of people call this Paul's first missionary journey. And what you guys are going to see is that they start off in Antioch of Syria. They go down to the port city of Seleucia. They sail over to Cyprus. Because according to Acts chapter 4, verse 36, that was Barnabas' hometown. And you'll notice they, they arrived there and they're going to travel through this whole island, probably about 60 miles. Now, what we find, and let me just say this real quick, is that um, God is lining everything up. God is lining everything up because they preach the word where? In the synagogues. And what, what, what you find is the Jewish diaspora, the Jews had been spread out throughout the world. When the, the general Titus conquered the Jews in AD 70, the Jews from that point on were spread throughout the world. They didn't just go to one place. They went all over the place, man. And wherever there were 10 Jews, they could then establish a synagogue. That was something that the Sanhedrin had developed over time. And so... They just, if you could just visualize this, synagogues all around the world, and in every synagogue, they're preaching a message. The Savior of the world is coming. The Messiah, the Christ, the anointed prophet, priest, and king. And that message was preached in every synagogue all around the world, where the Jews were scattered. Now, it's a time when, because of Alexander the Great, Everyone spoke Greek. That was the common language of the day, kind of like English today. And it was a time of Roman peace, Pax Romana. And so there was peace where they could travel all around the world. Unlike today, you can't just go anywhere. You know, some people won't, I mean, you try to get a, a visa to the United States of America. It's not as easy as you might think. But this is Pax Romana. This is that, you guys ever heard that saying, every, ro every road leads to Rome? I mean, we're talking about roads everywhere. We're talking about roads that the Romans were responsible for. Did you know that the Romans were responsible for more roads back then than the United States is today? That's how many roads had been paved. And what you find is that God is just setting everything up. It's all part of His perfect plan. Because as they would go to every single city and tell the whole wide world that the Savior is coming, that the Christ is coming, that the Messiah is coming, their hearts would be ready. And then when He did come, they could come and share the, the Word. He's fulfilled over 300 prophecies. He died on a cross. He rose again. God has made a way for us to go to heaven. The whole world, God sent his son to die. And as they go, and God's just lining everything up, they're preaching in the synagogues, and God just begins to do a work. It's interesting, and I want you guys to know this, because I believe that's true for every single, every single life. You want God to use your life? He's got a plan. And everything's lining up for him to use your life. Do you want him to? Are you going to heaven? If you are, don't you want to take as many people with you as you can? 
So the church was different. And this guy saw. He's different. No, notice what we read next. In Acts chapter 13. It says in verse 6, Now when they had gone through the island to Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was, was Bar-Jesus. And so they're, they're going through the island. And now if you go back to the map just for a second, you'll notice in the map, it's interesting that they traveled pretty much through the whole island. Uh, 60 miles, they come to Paphos now. It's almost the end of the, the, the island. It's almost like it's over, it's going to be over with. But you don't read about anything really substantial, anything significant going on yet. You know, and I'm not saying that there wasn't anything that happened, but you don't read about it. Maybe there really wasn't much of a movement yet. And so they're almost done with their missions trip to the island of Cyprus. They come now to this place called Paphos, and it says right here, and they found a certain sorcerer. And that means that this guy is dark and demonic. He's a sorcerer under the influence of the devil. He's also a false prophet. And that means that he's under the influence of the devil, but he claims to be a spokesman for God. It's interesting. Notice his name, Bar-Jesus. Did you notice that? That means son of Jesus. And so here's this guy. He's possessed by a devil. He claims to be a prophet. And he says he's the son of Jesus. You know what that is to me? A bunch of red flags. <laughs> and so what ends up happening is they run into this guy, but they also run into another guy. It says in verse 7, who was with the proconsul. Now the proconsul was pretty much the governor of the land, Sergius Paulus. Notice he was an intelligent man. This man, Sergius Paulus, he called for Barnabas and Saul and he sought to hear the word of God. This guy wanted to hear the word. He's intelligent, he's influential, and he wants to hear the word. But there's that sorcerer guy, it says in verse 8, but Alamus, the sorcerer, for so his name is translated, and that means that he's, he's supposed to be the wise man. They kind of saw him as the wise man of the island, withstood them. That means that he opposed them seeking to turn the proconsul, the governor, away from the faith. And what is going on here? It is a spiritual battle. It is a battle between, you know, these guys who are followers of God and the devil. It's a spiritual battle. This guy wants to hear the word. He's the governor. He's intelligent. He's open. He's influential. I'm sure that if he got saved, God can do a great work in the island of Cyprus. But there's a devil right there fighting them every step of the way, withstanding them, opposing them. And so if that were you, what would you do? Notice what happens. As they're in the middle of this battle, it says in verse 9, Then Saul who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's the key. He looked intently at him. And he said, Oh, full of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil. You're not a son of Jesus. You're the son of the devil. You enemy of all righteousness. Will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. 
and immediately a dark mist fell on him and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. What happens here? You want to know what happens, you guys? Saul takes a step of faith. That's what happens. Have you ever been around anyone who's demon-possessed? You know, what, what, did, what did you do? You know, most of the time we, we pray for them. You know, and, and you know, whatever. But Saul, sensitive to the Holy Spirit, what ends up happening is he, he's filled up with the Holy Spirit. So he beats down the devil. And what ends up happening is because of this step of faith, because he's different. He's different even in one sense than Barnabas. He's different than John Mark. He's different than all the rest. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. And you know, and he knows what to do. Like if you're in that situation, some of you here, well, you, well, you know, I know like I can picture some of you here saying, you know, when that whole thing is happening, you, you know, just putting your hand like there and just say, hey, relax, buddy. But that wasn't the right thing to say. Or maybe I can visualize some of us saying, oh, mijo, what's wrong? No, that wasn't the right thing to say. The right thing to say is, dude, you're, you're the devil. <laughs> you're an enemy of righteousness. And he says he looked intently at him. Don't wrestle against flesh and blood the way you wrestle against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness, spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And what ends up happening is this guy... Saul is radically different. Why? Because he wanted to be? No. It's because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why. You know, what we find, and I, and I want to just kind of go through this real quick, because I know you guys are going to take your moms out to these amazing restaurants and make them amazing food. But here's the thing. Um, you'll notice in your Bible that his name is now changed from Saul to Paul. And what ends up happening is Paul at this point, and according to the Holy Spirit, and I know it's not just random, from this point on throughout the entire Gospel of Luke, I mean the whole uh, book of Acts written by the Luke, he goes by the name of Paul. And Saul was his former name, his Hebrew name, it means desired one, uh, undoubtedly from the tribe of Benjamin, He's named after their first king. It was kind of like a, a glorious name. But now he chooses to be named Paul. It's just a Gentile name, but he sticks to it. And what does it mean? It means little. So from this point forward, he goes from Saul, this great king desired, to little. It would be like you changing your name to Shorty. Lord, from this point forward, everybody call me Shorty. <laughs> and, and I don't know, there's just something here that you can't miss. What we find is that he now enters into Jesus' humility. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, he didn't consider robbery to be equal with God. In other words, he didn't hold on to that, but he humbled himself. And he made himself of no reputation. He became a man and he died a death, even the death of the cross. And so what it is, is number one, Jesus' humility. 
now enters into Paul. But then what's followed after that is Jesus' authority. You know, it's been said that the authority of the ministry is submission. And that's what happened in this man's life now. You know, and that's important for us, you guys, because we, you know, you want to make a difference. A lot of you guys raise your hand. You're going to be fighting the devil. And if you don't have the authority of Jesus Christ, he's going to chew you up and spit you out. And that's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And we are at the end of the age. And we have Jesus with us, who has all authority. And that's why the Lord used Saul, he was different. And so he makes him blind. And you're like, well, that's not nice. That's kind of cool though, you know. (laughs) Think about it. But why did he make him blind? Number one, because that's what happened to him. Huh. That's what happened to Saul when he got saved. He was made blind by God. And number two, it would get him out of the way. See, when we want to make a difference then we're going to have to be a different church as a whole. Prayerfully, there's prophets and teachers and people that are open to the Holy Spirit. Prayerfully, that there's a a diversity and there's a a church that's well-versed in the Scriptures. Prayerfully, there's people who are open to the Holy Spirit to speak through them and even to send them. If we want the Lord to make a difference, and we're going to have to be different as a church, and we're going to have to be different as disciples... We're probably going to stand out like a sore thumb. But we need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And we need to be humble like Jesus, His humility, but then that lead to His authority. Even over the darkest demons. Because what ends up happening is you, you make a, you know, you have a church that's different, you have a disciple that's different, and then what that does is it makes a man's destiny different. This guy, this governor, ends up getting saved. You know, you read that in the last verse, right there. It says in verse 12, Then the proconsul believed, when he saw what had been done, being astonished at what? At the teaching of the Lord. And, and you're, you're wondering, well, what do you mean he's astonished at the teaching of the Lord? I mean, isn't he astonished at the miracle? Yeah, a little bit. But primarily astonished at the teaching of the Lord. And there's, a different, there's probably a different reasons for that. You know, number one, it's so amazing how Jesus Christ has fulfilled, you know, over 300 prophecies written in the Old Testament. You know, that's one thing that's pretty amazing. Another thing that pretty, is pretty amazing in, in, in the Lord is His grace is His grace. How He would take someone like me, a wretched man that I am, and I've done all this, you know, in life, A to Z, and He loves me. You mean to tell me that the big God of the universe who sits on the throne and speaks 
the stars into existence and maintains them by the power of His Word, that, that big God of the universe, you mean to tell me that He loves me? He died for me? Yes. That's the truth and that's the gospel. Well, so how do I go to heaven? Believe. And that blows you away. That's astonishing. But it's true, my friend. You know, you might be here today and you're thinking, well, I better clean up my life first. Or I've got, you know, I've got to like change religions first. I'm sure there's a certificate here that I've got to kind of work on or whatever. And whatever, I have to talk to, you know, my, my wife first about this or my son or my daughter or my husband about this or whatever, you know. And, you know, you, you start, and, you're, and what you're doing is you're, you're, you're complicating it. It's not a religion. It's a relationship between the God who made you and loves you and died for you. All you have to do today is believe. Not in your head, but in your heart. You have to repent and receive Christ as Lord and Savior and basically just be willing to say, Lord, from this day forward, I will follow you because you saved me and you love me. And that's the astonishing thing about it. And then when Christ comes into your life, man, it's just so cool what he ends up doing. He changes everything and he puts a desire inside of you to make a difference in the world that we live in. Did you guys know what today is? Mother's Day, huh? (laughs) Another thing that's pretty interesting about today, 190 years ago today, I don't know if you guys knew this, but uh, March 13th, 1828, there was an evangelist who was out there preaching uh, amongst the crowds. And as he got up to preach, he asked the people, what do you want me to preach on? Right? And hey, some of you guys are cheating. All right. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. You know what? He said, what do you want me to preach on? And you know what? The first word some man shouted out, nothing. And so you know what he preached on? Nothing. And you're like, what do you mean? It means this, that without him, I am nothing. Without him, all these good works profit me nothing. 1 Corinthians 13. And without him, I can do nothing. John chapter 15, verse 5. Right? But then the flip side is Philippians 4, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me.